Hello, Ukramedia family. Vladimir Prognevsky here, and welcome to episode number 11 of the Ukramedia podcast, where I serve our Ukramedia family with weekly interviews from highly creative people. Today's guest is someone super special. His name is John Bramlett. John is an artist living in Denton, Texas. His art has been sold in over 120 countries. He has appeared on the CBS Evening News with Katie Couric, ABC, NBC, Fox, CNN, Discovery Channel, The Daily News, BBC Radio, The New York Times, Psychology Today, and the list goes on and on. He designed the artwork for numerous magazine covers and even the artwork for major film productions. He's the subject of the award-winning documentary shorts Line of Sight and Bramblet. John's work has received much recognition, including the most inspirational video of 2008 from YouTube and three presidential service awards for his innovative art workshops. He's also the author of the award-winning book Shouting in the Dark. And did I mention that he did all of this blind? Literally, in 2001, John lost the loss of his vision due to complications with epilepsy and Lyme's disease. John accomplished a lot already, but doing it blind puts him in the class of his own. John, welcome to the show, my friend, and thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. John, there's so much we can get into this episode. We are probably going to jump around a lot. My questions won't be chronological, but before we jump into your journey as a creative, tell us a little about your personal life. I am. Um, I'm the most boring person you'll ever meet. I'm a <laughs> I don't believe it. So I just paint a lot. And um, I have a 10 year old son and my wife. So when I'm not painting, I'm hanging out with them and, and my retired guide dog and my, my new guide dog and this crazy four-month-old puppy that we have in the house. That's so, awesome. That's pretty much my life, just uh, just painting and family. John, your career accomplishments are so amazing. Your artwork is beautiful, by the way. Me and my wife, we were just, man, we were in awe of your work. It's beautiful. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. For most people, you know, losing their vision would be enough to give up on life. And uh, that's a pretty darn good excuse, if you ask me. But not for you. I love how you didn't take on that victim mentality. It didn't stop you from doing great things in life. I actually heard you say that your world became more colorful when you lost your eyesight. That's that's beautiful. That's awesome. What a what a shift, you know. But you know, let's start from the very beginning. How did you get into art? I um, I was sick a lot as a child, I, but... Drawing and illustration was always my way of, of dealing. It was my way of thinking. And I think I could draw before I could walk. And um, I've had ep- epilepsy since uh, since I was two years old. Oh, wow. And then I ended up having kidney problems. And I had a kidney removed by the time I was seven. And then ended up getting Lyme's disease. And um, I was in and out of hospitals a lot as a, as a kid. But the great thing about art is that when you're drawing or you're creating, you're not thinking about anything other than, than what it is you're doing. You know, the artwork. So... If I was having a bad day, art was a great way to deal with that. But if I was having a good day, art is a great way to celebrate that. So good day, bad day, art is always there. So um, from a very early age, it was just my way of, of dealing with everything. Wow, what amazing. And how did it get worse for you? When did you lose your eyesight? I, I lost it in, in, in college. And you know my, my life did become more and more colorful and, and happy. And, and But at the very beginning, when I lost my eyesight, it wasn't that at all. <laughs> I was right. very depressed and very angry. And, and for the first year, I was still going to school. I would have someone that, that would take me to school, you know, sighted guide while I was learning how to use a cane and learning how to, to navigate, learning how to read Braille, how to do everything that you you know, are used to doing in different ways, you know, like, like eating and cooking and all this sort of stuff. And, um, and I was an English major. So learning to read and write again was pretty important, <laughs> you know, I had to be able to, to do that. But it didn't even occur to me though, at the beginning that I could still draw. And until about a year when it, when I 
could travel independently a little bit. I could leave my apartment and I could find the university and I could find the right building, the right you know seat in the right class without knocking over too many people. And <laughs> I am, but you know, if I can get across the city, surely I could get across a canvas if I could use my sense of touch, you know, the same way that I navigate a room or, or a street, if I could feel the lines and everything that I'm doing on the canvas in the same way that I could feel a chair or a wall or all that, then surely I could get across. And so I started working on that. And that's really when things started to change for me. Wow. So you lost your eyesight in 2001 and you started painting in 2002. Is that correct? That's right. I, I, I did drawing and illustration all my life, but I didn't think I would be a good painter. So I just, I, I revered painters. I thought painters were just, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I've always been a nerd. And I just thought <laughs> painters were, were it. So I was like an armchair quarterback for painting. I, I would read about how Monet would set up his palette and he wouldn't use black or how Pollock would paint out in this barn and all, all these different things. And I would just follow them in books and but I never thought I would be a good painter, and I don't think I had the courage to try something that I, I didn't think I'd be good at. So I just did illustration and drafting, which I loved. But whenever I lost my eyesight, I couldn't feel the pencils or the pens or charcoals that I was used to using. So I started getting into paints where I could leave a line and erase texture that I could actually feel. And that's what pushed me over to the dark side of painting. <laughs> How did you feel? How did you distinguish what color? What like I'm? I don't even know how to start. Like how? How do you start with something like that? You know, um, I thought I was crazy to tell you the <laughs> truth. I, I was <laughs> and, and I kept it as a secret for a bit, for a while. I didn't realize how with oil paint, if you wash your hands, you start paint on them. You got to so. Um, I had a little white dog, and I, I, she would come over, and um, I would say, you know, how, how are you doing? I love you, girl. And I'd pet her, and friends would come over, and my little white dog would suddenly be purple and green. And <laughs> so the secret that I was painting got out pretty quick. <laughs> That's but, so funny. Um, but, but what I do, though, is is that w- with my colors, I actually braille the, the tubes. So so braille is a, is a way of writing that has raised bumps that you can touch and feel. And so I'll braille the tube so that I can read, you know, if it's a red paint or a blue paint or whatever color. And then um, I use different mediums to actually make each color feel different. In a medium, it's just the stuff in paint that holds the pigment, that holds the color. So you can make a pigment that feels like oil or like water or very thick, you know, like um, um, putty. Um, so you can make it so hard you can carve it with a knife. So I would make these different mediums. So that like white might feel like toothpaste where black would feel runny like oil and you're not going to get the two confused. And the wonderful thing is that this this gives you a way of controlling color by just using your touch alone. Because if I wanted to make a gray between black and white, I would make the white feel like toothpaste, you know, and the black's runny. So I would just mix for a texture that's halfway between the two. And, and then the color would also be halfway between. But starting out was very slow. It was um, I only used three colors. And um, and the drawings were very geometric and very simple. You know, I was used I'd, when I was sighted, I would do portraits of people, which you know were high, highly detailed. Or I could do a blueprint of a house. And then when I was relearning how to draw without sight, I was doing things like circles and squares and triangles. So, but um, it you know it at the time though it was very exciting. And you know, if I, I could make a square and then another square half exactly half the size. You know, it was a cause for celebration. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't skip any steps. You kind of started from the very beginning and you put in a lot of time, a lot of hours into this because I was reading that you spend between 8 and 14 hours a day painting, right? Yes, yes, at least. And sometimes more. I am, um, um, especially in the very beginning, 14 hours would, would be a pretty, would be a day I wasn't painting that much. I, I didn't sleep a lot and I would still go to school. 
And um, yeah, I, I was I'm pretty obsessed with art. And uh, at the beginning, it was when I was painting, I wasn't thinking about anything that I'd lost. I wasn't thinking about the eyesight loss, and I wasn't worried about the future. And so it was a vacation. So the more time right. that I would spend in front of the easel was time that um, it, w- it was peaceful for me. And then when I'd get back into life, then all these questions would come up and all the stress and worry and anger. And um, but fortunately, spending that much time in the moment, it had a way of, of kind of making a habit so that after about eight months or so, whenever I would start hanging out with friends or family, I, I would be in the moment because I was so used to that from painting, you know, just – and so when I was with family having dinner or something, I, I, I wasn't worried about the future and I wasn't thinking about the past. I was just enjoying the moment that I was with them. And slowly the anger and the fear of, of, of losing my eyesight, the worry started to slip away. And, you know, it's the wonderful thing about art is that art is just about what you can do. You know, it doesn't matter what you can't do. That doesn't even enter into the equation. It's, you know, it's all about having an idea, a goal, and finding out ways to, to reach it, you know? So it's a very positive, extremely creative sort of way of, to, of thinking. Wow, well, that's amazing that art was kind of like an escape for you. You had so much on your plate. You were able to forget about all that and put all your work into your creativity. And wow, years later, we're seeing all that work, and it's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Like, like I say, though, I wish I could say I was really smart and that was the plan, that it would work, but at the time, <laughs> I was so depressed and I was so angry. And I, 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 I've been very fortunate to to work with groups all over the country where children with autism and, and, and people have lost their eyesight, soldiers with PTSD, so many different disabilities and troubles. And, and everybody that goes through something like that, I found, feels the exact same way. You have this depression and this anger. And at the time, you feel so isolated and alone, like like you're the only person that, you know, that, that can understand. And I, I, was, I was lucky that I was able to meet all these other people that, even though maybe what they were going through was different, um, I, I at least knew that I wasn't alone. And, right. and, that, and that gave so much encouragement to me. Now, today you look like you're very happy, upbeat. Do you still f- deal with depression or is it something that you don't even think about much anymore? You know, I I do. It's, you know, it's something that I, th- I think everybody has to deal with. Everybody has bad days and good right. days. And, and like, um, I, I still have epilepsy and, and that'll send your brain for a spin, you know, <laughs> mm. <laughs> if nothing else does. So um, I, I, had, I had a seizure ye- yesterday and, um, you know, but it's something that you have to deal with, every, you know, on a daily basis in your life, you know, where... I had all these things I wanted to do yesterday, and um, I went and gave a talk um, with a mayor in Dallas, and um, and then afterwards I ended up having that problem, and I had all these paintings I wanted to work on. I was really excited, but you know, you just have to take each day as it comes. And today I feel great, and so it's a you know it's a wonderful thing. You know, you just gotta. Um, right after we finished this interview, I, I was in my studio, and right after we're done, I'm gonna I'm gonna go right back in there and get all get all painting again, and and. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, I don't know, life, you just never know what, what it's, what it's going to hold for you. You know, it's, it's, but it's a, it's the adventure. It's the journey of it though. I think that's the most fun. I totally agree with that. And what advice would you give someone dealing with depression? You know, and this is going to sound like not very good advice, but, <laughs> but, and it's really hard because if, if you are depressed, if you're, um, I know when I lost my eyesight, I, I, I all hope had left me. I, I was a student. And you're a student because you have these ideas, you have hopes and dreams of what you want to do with your life, you know, and you're actively pursuing it. You're going to school, you're trying to learn. And um, when the vision lost, it totally went away. Like I, I, I thought anything new in my life 
couldn't happen. I mean, it was just, I thought if I worked really hard, maybe if I got my degree that I could at least not be a burden on my family, you know, I could stay living independently and all this. And then, so, um, very depressed, but the nicest thing that I did to myself, and this, this is what I would recommend for anyone. Um, when I started painting, I decided not to judge anything I did for a year when it came to the painting. I think a lot of times we can be very critical and hard on ourselves and it's hard to create and edit and judge yourself all at the same time. You know, you know, you've got to pick one. So I chose to be creative to try to try that. And it's a good thing I did. I know when I first started my first painting, I would have quit three or four times. Probably (laughs) I would have quit (laughs) painting because I thought this is not turning out like this does not feel, I don't know where I am. All this is crazy, but I wasn't allowed to, I wasn't allowed to think about it. And I think a lot of times when you're depressed, you you lose any sort of perspective of where you actually are and what, what the future holds. And it's nice if you can just take that judgment out of the whole, whole picture and say, you know, I'm not allowed to judge this. I'm just going to live it. I'm going to try my best. If it's good or it's bad, it doesn't matter. You know, my, my goal is just to do the work, you know, whatever it is that you're going to do. Doing something creative like art, whether it's you know painting or, or sculpture or photography, the great thing about that is that you're constantly making something new and you're po- you're constantly doing a positive action. You know you're you're building on something. So as you're doing that, th- I think that helps depression as well because you know you can't keep telling yourself that there's nothing good, there's nothing new in your life because right. you're constantly making new things. And you know, and if you're not judging yourself, then you don't get that harsh sort of um, criticism constantly <laughs> ringing in your head, you know. But anyway, that's that that worked for me. I don't know if it worked for anyone else, but um, but but that'd be my suggestion. When did you find out you're amazing? Who told you? Oh, you, <laughs> man. <laughs> um, uh, gosh. When did I, things get better for you? When did you like? <laughs> when did you figure out that you know what? I can make a living doing this. Oh man, I didn't. I didn't figure that out for a long time because. I'm not that bright when it comes to business apparently and things, but, but honestly, whenever I started painting, my, my health wasn't very good. And, um, you know, we weren't even sure if I'd be around that much. So I was having these really large seizures where that are affecting my heart, my breathing. And, um, and I just wanted to do something that was meaningful to me. So, um, and so I was doing the artwork and then it started when I did my first like couple of shows, I just wanted to meet other artists, other people that was obsessed as I was with art and I um, did the shows, but I didn't tell people I was blind. You know, I wouldn't, uh, I just wow. wanted people to get the artwork. And the shows ended up doing well, but then it, it got out that I was visually impaired. And um, some stories were written, and that was the best thing that could have happened for me because that's when other, um, some nonprofits and charities started to contact me and, and say, hey, can you come talk to our clients? Can can you come and work with our people? And, and that's when I started to meet other people that were dealing with issues. And then, through that, I started working with museums, and now I work with dozens of museums all over the country, the Metropolitan, the Denso, the Guggenheim, the Dallas Museum of Art, wow. and lots of them. And you know, and even then, though, I wasn't really thinking of art being a career because art just seemed so willy nilly. You know, it was just something that I, I do because I need to do it. I have to, and or I, I, um, I have to paint every day. You know, or if I don't, my wife says, "John, you better go paint." Because <laughs> I, I start acting funny. I don't know, but um. But I didn't think of it as a career. You know, I, I, I thought, well, next semester I'll go back to grad school, you know, or I'll go to grad school. Like I, I got my undergrad and then something big would come up and they'll say, hey, come come to Holland and work on this program or do this. And I go, all right, I'll start school next semester. And then that kept happening. And then years passed by and I kept doing different things. And so it was just sort of built up. But 
to be honest, I still take everything day by day. And it's, you know, it's my favorite project is the one that's coming up. You know, it's always the painting that I'm working on. And, that's a good mentality to have. You know, you know, and we're actually um, in a, two weeks, I'm going to start. And I'm so excited right now. I'm the only blind muralist in the world. And I'm about to start two four-story murals in Dallas. That, so cool. That's oh, my awesome. goodness, man. I It's funny, and I don't know if I should say this, but they asked me if I'm okay. Hey, hey, can you can you can you do these murals? They're gonna be like four stories tall, four stories tall, and there's two of them. And I was like, heck yeah, I can do it. That sounds amazing. Let's do that. You know, that's a very positive sort of statement. You know, it's gonna be full of joy and all this. And then you know, you know, and then I and then I'm off by myself, and I'm thinking, you know, what in the heck? You know, like, you know, <laughs> how the world am I gonna paint four stories tall? But hopefully, in the next two weeks, we'll we'll get it all figured out. <laughs> that's awesome. Not since you know you used to just this was your hobby, but now it's your full time job. Do you feel was there a pressure transitioning from a hobby to a full time job? Do you feel like there's more pressure on your shoulders? How do you how do you take that in? You know, I, I I've been very fortunate with it in that um, I um, am ready to quit doing art as a profession at any time. Like I I, I do it because I love it, and the people that I work with. I just love it. I mean, I mean, I'll never, I can, I can never quit doing art. I've done it ever since before I could walk. It's just the way my brain works. Um, but for, you know, growing up, I never really shared it with people. It wasn't really a thing. And then whenever I lost my eyesight for the first time, I started using art as a way to reconnect with the world, with, with people around me. And as long as that's a thing, and as long as people find it meaningful, then, then, you know, then, I, then, I'll, then I'll keep sharing it. But you know, it's one of my favorite things is that I get, I get emails from people all around the world. And, you know, coming from a point, place where I, you know, I didn't think anything new would happen. I didn't think that I could really connect with anyone, you know, to open up my, my computer in the morning and have it read the emails from people saying, you know, oh, I saw a painting of yours and, you know, and this is what it made me feel and on and on. Almost, almost like they had been standing behind my shoulder as I painted it. I, I just can't tell you what a blessing that is to mm-hmm. me. It's just... It's just this daily sort of reminder that, you know, life, life is just a special, incredible journey. And, and I, I, so right, you know, I, 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 all I can say is that right now I, I am so happy just to be a part of the dialogue with right, people that's that's there. And, and um, all pain is, is, is ideas and communication. Mm. Now, what do you, what do you draw your inspiration from? A lot of it is the people that I meet. Um, whenever I, I hear music, too, I see color. And I've done that all my life, but since losing my eyesight, um, I really focus on that. And I, I've talked to um, quite a few blind musicians who see color when they play, and that's a big reason they went into music was for the color. So music is a big thing for me. The town that I live in, we have the number one college for jazz studies in the world. So we have world-class musicians that come here. And this isn't a very big town. You know, you you would not expect to find the number one college for anything here, but, <laughs> but, but we have music and, and, and art is really big. And so, um, you know, it's, I, I get a lot of inspiration from the people around me. Man, that's great. I think it's cool how you said that you see color when you listen to music. You actually did a piece. I think your uh, painting went on the aircraft, right? And you were listening to music as you were painting that stuff. Talk about that. That's pretty cool. Oh yeah, yeah. That um, it, it was for it was for the Rock in Rio concert in Brazil, which is like one of the biggest concerts in the world. And Delta and and um, Air France and some other airlines, they wanted to um, paint an air, airplane to to for for the concert. And they thought, well, how in the world are we going to put music on an airplane? <laughs> how does this work? And and then they heard about my art and, and the way that I that I, I see color with sound. And 
So they contacted me and said, hey, paint whatever you want. Put whatever you want on the plane. And, That's so um, cool. I know. That's what I thought. I thought well, thank you very <laughs> so much. Cool. I appreciate that. So, um, and, and they gave me all the music that would be at the concert, like all the, you know, um, you know, tracks of all the, so that's what I listened to. I listened to the music and then I, um, picked some that, that was very bright and had, had this, I don't know, this, this, this joyful sort of feeling, I think, you know, and a lot of energy. And, and that's what I used to, to, to put on the plane. And it was beautiful. So I watched the video and I don't know if you know this, but it generated like well over 3 million views and it was high production video. It was just amazing. I'll link it into oh. our show notes, but it was super awesome video on that aircraft. I saw the shot of it in the air from like, I think they had another aircraft right next to it, taking a shot of it in the air. It was <laughs> flying over, over Rio. It was beautiful. It was something to see. Now oh. you also painted several celebrities like Tony Hawk. Now, how did that happen? I, I work with a lot of different charities charities and um all, all over the country usually two two or three times a month i'm flying somewhere to do work with a charity or a nonprofit um or work with a museum and every once in a while like like tony hawk he, he was working with this one charity and i thought what a great guy this guy sounds so great like all this work that he put in um and so i, I forget how i forget how we met but it was some somebody said oh you know like this painter and he was like oh i really like his paintings i'm like well i i really like what you do so i ended up meeting him <laughs> got to feel his face and and i didn't realize he was so tall i i just assumed that if you're a skateboarder you're probably going to be short so you're closer to the ground i don't know but he's like six four wow but what was amazing is that you painted a picture that looks just like him and you've never seen him in real life that's that's so cool well thank you you know that's that's something that you know it's developed over years and it's something that was surprising to me and that um i just take the orientation and mobility the skills that that a modern a person who's visually impaired uses so so the newer skills to be able to navigate the world around you i take that and, and i use it in conjunction with compositional skills that have been around for centuries that painters use and combining the two you can get a very detailed idea of what the way something looks but it's it's always a little bit of a i don't, I don't say a stress but if i'm painting someone that that, that that a lot of people know what they look like like i did a painting of jeff bridges who's a really neat guy he was the moment that I met him, the first thing he did was get on the floor with my guide dog and just start rolling around the ground with him. And I'm like, oh, oh, <laughs> so oh you're, you're, you're a pretty cool guy. You know, like, you know, like, you're not supposed to touch the guide dog, but um, yeah, I guess for you it's okay. <laughs> you can do that. Rules don't apply. We'll give you a pass. <laughs> but, but, you know, but, but, you, but you know, though, because so many people know what they look like that you'd better be spot on because if you have their nose off, <laughs> everybody's going to notice it and say, like, no, that's not so-and-so. Yeah. So now, where can people learn these techniques? Do you have any teaching courses? Is there anything that you can, uh, any kind of resources where people can go online and check out? That's a really good question. I I don't right now. Like I, I don't have a how-to tutorial, and uh, but that's something that we're we're putting together. And I do workshops, and I've I've worked with tens of thousands of people. Most are recited, actually. Most who don't have a you know like ninety nine point nine percent of the workshops I do are with people that don't have a disability, but they're wanting like more engagement with art and. Um, which is something I'm, I'm really a big advocate for, but, um, you know, using all of your senses, all of yourself into your art, you know, to get more out of it. But all the workshops I do, they're free. I've, I've never charged for anyone to learn how to paint or learn, you know, art. And um, unless it's to raise money for a charity, but you know, going in, if you're buying a ticket, that money is going to help the charity or the nonprofit, you know, and, but, uh, so that's the only time we ever charge money for it. But, um, so, but we are going to be putting out videos and, um, and I, I do videos every once in a while on YouTube. They're they're nothing 
fancy <laughs> nothing <laughs> you know it's just me in my studio and every once in a while we'll do a live show and people can ask me whatever they want but very soon though um, I'm going to have how to videos Man, we're looking forward to that and where do you do your workshops where can people go and meet you in real person or in real life you know um, I, I do them all over I, I it just a lot of times I'll work with a museum in an area like 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 next month I'm going to be the resident artist for Oklahoma and I'm going to be working with museums in Oklahoma and Tulsa and um, Oklahoma City and, um, and with groups and schools all, all in the area so um, a lot of times it's a museum that'll bring me in, but because I'm there, I'll work with charities and nonprofits that are all in the area. You know, I, I if you know, a lot of times it's a museum. Maybe they'll want me to do workshops or something for four hours, or show my work, or do this or that. But I have all the rest of the day to kill. So you know, I'll usually put a call out like, "Hey, if anybody wants to paint, or anybody, there's a group out there that wants me to come by and do a workshop or something. Let let me know." And um, so I usually stay pretty busy, but. Um, but usually, though, it's in conjunction with a gallery or a museum because they have the funds to actually bring in an artist. And, and, and one nice thing about a museum, too, is that they're always ADA compliant so that if there's somebody that's in a wheelchair or somebody that has special right. needs, you know, they're all set up for that. So, But um, I, go, I go anywhere any, anybody wants to paint. That's, that's sort of my motto. <laughs> Are you coming to North Carolina anytime soon? Oh, not, not yet, but man, I'm I would keep an love eye on to. You. <laughs> that oh, would be awesome to have you here. I'd be the first one in line to meet you. Oh, awesome, man. Well, I, I, w- I would love to come. That would be awesome. Now, our community is primarily motion graphics designers. We're all in line. What advice would you give to our followers? Oh, my goodness. You know, one of the big things that I've noticed, like I, I, go, to, I go to different colleges and I'll, I'll speak to art students and, and, um, and I've gone to universities all, all over the nation. And one thing that I've noticed is that you expect artists to be these people who think outside the box quite a bit, but um, but I'll, I'll I'll go into the classrooms where they'll have all, all like the, the the sculptures that that you're meant to draw, you know, and then they're like Roman and Greek sculptures, and I'll, I'll touch them, and they're almost always like every time they're covered with a fine layer of dust, which means that all these outside of the box thinkers, not one of them goes up and actually touches the sculpture, you know, and uses uh. more of their senses than just their sense of touch. Um, which I find fascinating because, you know, we have so many senses, yet we just rely on the one for art, you know. And I, I, I do workshops where I'll have an, an apple and I'll say, okay, everybody draw the apple. And usually you end up with like a Macintosh kind of um, computer apple and a Walt Disney apple and another. <laughs> and then so you get like three apples and then I'll say, well, actually touch the apple. And they'll touch it. They'll smell it. You'll see the sugar spots. You'll feel it. You know, the broken stem, all these different things. And then they'll go and redraw the apple and everybody's apple is different. Everybody is more individualized. So I would say whatever art that you're in, put all of yourself into it. You know, you know, think about the way that it would sound, the way that it would feel, you know, whether it's graphics, whether it's painting, you know, just try to use more of your senses. And the more of yourself that you put into it, the better it is, you know, the more the, the more that's there. And that's that's awesome. I, I remember actually now since you brought this up, I remember hearing you share how there were two brothers. One was blind and the other one wasn't. And they painted or drew a house. And it's cool to see the two different perspectives. One drew like the house, what it looks like from the outside. And the other one drew, I guess, like a floor plan of the house. Yeah. But they yeah. were both correct, but they're just two different perspectives, two different to a house. That's cool. Now, how can people get in touch with you, John? You know, um, everything that I have is, is Bramblet. So on Facebook, it's just Bramblet. On, on Twitter, it's Bramblet. On Instagram, it's Bramblet. It makes it really easy for me to remember. Uh, my email is bramblet at gmail. <laughs> Everything's bramblet. Bramblet.com. 
Um, and if you forget that, if you type in blind painter on Google or something, I'll pop up. <laughs> That's true. You're the first one to come up. Yeah, am I? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I, I knew I knew I was on there somewhere. <laughs> you're, you're, you're one of the very first ones. That's pretty impressive. But your work is so beautiful, John. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. You know, this, this has been a great conversation. Thank you. Vladimir, thank you so much for having me. All right, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with John Bramblett as much as I did. I think it is interesting how John talks so much about seeing color in music. I was just telling John after our conversation how I see so much love in his voice. John went through so much pain and suffering from a very young age, and yet he made him so gentle, so loving, and so kind. You can almost feel that love and compassion for people in his voice. He's so easy to talk to, so humble. What a beautiful soul. You absolutely have to see John's work on his website at bramblitz.com. It's B-R-A-M-B-L-I-T-T.com. He really is very talented. All the links and resources mentioned in this episode are available on our website at ukramedia.com slash 11. We did not meet our deadline for our expressions course. We did not launch it on our 31st birthday like we wanted to. The bumps on a road are real. We apologize for delay. We're shooting for the end of April or beginning of May. Thank you so much for your patience. We're almost there. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you and I look forward to serving you in the next episode of the Ecomedia Podcast. Bye-bye. <laughs>